0: Welcome, oh. welcome, welcome,
1: welcome! <laughs> you guys, you can't see us, but I told Elizabeth I would start, and then I just stood there staring at her. <laughs> so then I just thought, I'll do it. Yeah, we know. We've only been doing this show for five and a half years. We've we've got it under control.
0: Don't don't you worry. We know what's happening. <laughs> don't. How Thanks are you, my friend? Us. Hello, I'm Stephanie Simbari. For anyone that doesn't know that, and I'm Elizabeth Cott. Welcome to the show. Woohoo! So happy you joined us today. Thanks for being here on this
1: retrograde of retrogrades, kids. I think we're the first time in retrograde history that five whole planets are in retrograde. Whew. Wow, that is so retrograde. That is legit the most. Should we change the name of the show to the most retrograde?
0: (laughs) (laughs) We want to thank the Cosmos for helping us with marketing this month. Mm
1: hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm really appreciate you. Hey, you know what I'm excited for, friend? Tell
0: me. I'm excited for the conversation that we
1: have today. And I'll tell you why. Tell me. Not only is it a very intimate, personal conversation, but I think it's really fun for the listeners because I've read our iTunes reviews and I've heard that some folks say that, you know, we're their friend in their head. And this person is was a friend in our head prior to her becoming our friend.
0: And I feel like for really so great. many. Yeah, so that's many. That's like the through line. So our friend Vanessa Chester is joining us mm-hmm. in a moment. Mm-hmm. And so as a child, she played, she was in like a bunch of our childhood classic hits. Yeah, she was. And so oftentimes people are like, uh, "I did we go to college together? Yeah. How do I know you? Are you my camp friend? It's like, no, they thought that Vanessa was their best friend when they were a child.
1: Yeah, so you might recognize her from Harriet the Spy, from The Little Princess, from Jurassic Park. It's a really exciting journey. and A real s- who's who in the in the movie collection of our youth. I love it. So we're really excited to have her here today because she's a great friend to us. And, you know, Elizabeth and I just thought the racial conversation is happening all over social media and both of us are rallying against social media. <laughs> so we wanted to talk about this stuff with our friends, with the people that are in a media circle that we already talk about this stuff with all the time prior to it becoming a movement. And so we're just like, look, we're just going to call on our friend and we're going to have an intimate talk.
0: Yeah, I just want to say that I think the one constant throughout March to now. It's like friendship has held it down. Fuck yeah. In such a beautiful way. Like I feel like all of my people like have been showing up in my life on a constant basis. And especially when it comes to a conversation around race, like really the best place to start is with your people and with your friends. Totally. And and it is our hope that we can embark on this conversation today um, to set the tone for us all to be a lot more comfortable talking about these these topics with our communities and our friends. Because yep. so if you can't gonna, talk
1: about it, then it just keeps on becoming something that you can't talk about. And that's how nothing changes. And we're just not here for that.
0: Exactly. So we're going to throw it to a quick message from our sponsor and then get <laughs> right into the convo. Oh, my
1: God. A quick message from our sponsor. Are we like a...
0: <laughs> Are we <laughs> we're, professionals? We're a 90s
1: TV show. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, guys, we have to take a break because we need to talk about one of our all-stars forever and always. That's right. It's Thrive Market. Woo! We
1: love you. Oh, my God. How would we be getting through this quarantine slash whatever we are in now (laughs) at this point (laughs) without Thrive Market?
0: Honestly, saving my life. And may I shout out that we now have a landing page on Thrive Market's website with All of yours and mine favorite items.
1: That's so cool.
0: Food stuff to like cleaning products to everything in between. It's all there. And I'm very thrilled because I feel like this list has been an ongoing adventure in curating it through trials and tribulations, really out there, testing things out and saying what we love. Thrive Market tailors to over 70 different diets and values like paleo to keto to plant-based, and they're delivering the highest quality organic and non-GMO food. They also offer clean beauty, bath products, pet staples, non-toxic cleaning products. Plus, they've got ethical meat, sustainable seafood, clean wine. I mean, it's like all the things. Basically, I get everything there that isn't fruits and vegetables. Really, I just can't speak enough to it. And I also love, if you guys ever watch their videos, Chef Megan Mitchell, one of my best friends from high school, is their chef that does all their videos. It's very cute. Oh my God, it always goes back to Michigan. It it really always goes back to Michigan. Yeah, and as we said, we have a landing page that Steph and I added all of our favorite things to when you go to thrivemarket.com slash retrograde. Or if you're logged into the site, you can just type in that so retrograde in all of our products that we love will come up.
1: So become a member and start saving today. You will go to thrivemarket.com, like Elizabeth said, slash retrograde. You would join today. And if you do with using our code, you'll get $20 in shopping credit towards your first order. And then you will immediately start to see your overall savings as soon as you check out. So then throughout the year, it tracks how much you saved versus buying everything at the grocery store, which is really cool.
0: And all that information is on the site as well. So as Steph said, thrivemarket.com slash retrograde. Start your risk-free membership and you'll get up to $20 towards your first order. That's thrivemarket.com slash retrograde. Yay, let's go back to the show now, okay? Let's. Hey guys, I'm Maddie Orlando. And I'm Lauren Orlando. As you probably guessed, we're sisters. And we're also co-hosts of the podcast, The Sister Diary. Every week, we let our listeners into real-life conversations like the ones that we have at home. We have an eight-year age gap, so we always have a different perspective on things, but that makes it pretty fun. We talk about navigating life, growing up on social media, and pretty much anything else that we find interesting. You can catch a new episode of The Sister Diary every Friday. this conversation, we definitely want to just like call it out. Like you have been such an amazing person to be speaking with offline as the Black Lives Matter movement has really taken a much needed center stage in the lexicon. But then I think just like for ourselves personally, the learning that has been ignited and realizing there's so much to learn and this is definitely not trying to be like an hour of like our black friend explaining it to our white friends, but more
2: so. I mean, I would not fucking be here. You guys already know. But what's it like? (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, hi, I'm not going to do a Cliff's nose version of like how to be a social justice warrior. Sorry.
0: But really what we want is like these conversations are so important to have. And we want to have this conversation on the mic and just almost as a way to like maybe perhaps make it easier for other people yeah. to, to have conversations around race. I know for myself, it feels like a new muscle that hasn't been worked out. So I'm totally going to own right now off the bat. I feel like definitely going to say a wrong thing. And that's part of I mean, it. Because, I think that we're all
2: learning that. Yeah there's a lot of unlearning and learning to do even someone like me who has been a part of it as someone who's experiencing some of the issues that black lives matters is bringing up and then also being someone who is active and trying to be a part of someone who's changing the system like there are so many things that i'm still learning like so we're all in a different like stage in our progress and but that's the thing that's amazing is that we're all trying to progress like that is the main goal and the the collective intention that is so awesome right now is everyone yeah. is like we're willing to shed what we did know and go towards what we don't and be open and hopefully we can change stuff
1: totally you know it's it's interesting that the the black lives matter movement is converging with more me too stuff and I was talking to a guy friend the other day and I was trying to explain like you know what it was like to be a woman in comedy. And I was getting exhausted trying to explain that to him. And then I was like, imagine what it feels like to be black. And then I was like, oh my God, imagine being a black woman. Oh my God. Like the exhaustive element of needing to like explain and express
2: exactly what it feels like is wild to me. Well, I think it's interesting that you said that because I was thinking about just the way that women, how we create, um, or women identifying like just the way that we express, and it's really interesting because we live and we operate in a world where we have to understand the majority power, socioeconomic power, and majority race in order to survive. Like we as women have to understand white men because they control everything, and then you break it down a little bit more, and it's like we as black people have to understand how white people operate because that's how we can also survive, which is a very exhausting place to be in taking care of yourself, also understanding like who's operating the strings of the puppet show, and then also realizing that your voice is not being like necessarily brought to the table or given a microphone. And that's like a very exhausting place to be. And I feel like that's what's interesting about this moment too, is I've spoken with a couple of my Black friends and just reflecting on my own thoughts is like two, three months ago, I wished that my friends were doing some of this. And If you had told me or asked me in January if I thought all of my friends would be talking about, you know, DA Jackie Lacey and Black Lives Matter movement and systemic racism and white privilege, I'd be like, "Uh, no, what are you talking about? (laughs) Like, no, no one has time for that. And I'm like, oh shit, people are making time for it now. It's a very interesting shift for me to see.
1: I remember us talking and you said to me like, I really appreciate the way you're willing to just like talk about this like flat face completely. I remembered that because I was like, wait, is it weird that I'm willing to talk about race? And then I've always been willing to talk about it. And then all of a sudden this movement (laughs) happened and I was like, "Um, I no longer want to talk about it. It like had this like converse effect. And so I'm kind of wanting to kind of get your feelings from where you sit on how that like affected your
2: point of view. It's two things. Like one thing that Elizabeth said is like, she's always felt like she's been on the right side. And now that it's time to like speak about it, You know, like, do I feel equipped? And that's been something that I've been noticing is like, I feel like a lot of, this is actually a luxury as a white parent, like being able to decide whether or not to introduce the conversation of race to your children. And because we live in a society where that's not necessarily something they'll have to deal with as they grow up, maybe outright, you can forego the whole conversation. But the problem is, is they grow up to be adults who in a situation like this, have to use a muscle they've never exercised nor knew that they had in their body. And it's actually a disservice to your child. Like, I'm not saying have your kid read like Malcolm X for kids at three, but there are ways to introduce and normalize like black, brown, women, LGBT. There's a way, like just get a black doll. I want to go- talk about
0: kind of where we saw the tides turn on social media. And Vanessa, you and I had spoke about how in... Times past, when, for instance, like a Trayvon Martin or a Sandra Bland, those obviously caught attention, but it didn't quite catch as much. I don't even know what the right word is. I know the word; it's engagement, and engagement, engagement is another and word for interest. Right? I hate to interest. use, right, in- I hate to a, use like a marketing term. Yeah, so it didn't get so. Yeah, we'll go with it. An engagement when it came, like all of a sudden, like George Floyd, it struck a chord with our country in a way that i think as these senseless killings have been happening in the past i remember you telling me you would post about it and it wouldn't get that much attention so what did it feel like for you when george floyd kind of that you kind of felt that the tides shifting
2: Well, that's why I said like engagement has like, there's a lot of imagery and connotations that come up with it. But like, if you boil it down, engagement is interest. Like are people interacting with something that you've posted that they're interested in? And for the last four years, there's been no engagement, like I told you. And about, let's say, so now it's nearly about a month since the George Floyd incident happened. And so about three weeks, two weeks prior to that was Ahmaud Arbery. And I had posted about that. I was Livid. I was so upset. Like I was just, dist- I was just drained. Like it's one of those things where it's like, when is this gonna stop? And you feel helpless. Like how many times do we have to have footage? And people are still like, "Well, are you sure there's a connection?" Like it's so insulting. And then all yeah. of a sudden, George Floyd happened. And friends who I had spoken to three weeks before, where I had actually had the courage to be like, why don't you ever post about this? Like as your black friend, it actually hurts my feelings. Like I, I had to have a conversation with myself where I was like, wait, no, like this is personal to you. Like it, it hurts when a friend is like, Hey sis, but like, you, like, you know what I mean? Like there's certain things that I said, like you, it's like the selective engagement in certain types of culture and in certain parts of a culture. And then the ugly parts, it's like that's too political. I
1: think that it's also like, because I really did a lot of reflecting on that. Like, why didn't I like speak out against like the Trayvon stuff more than like a, a tweet or something or why? Like, of course, I was outraged and upset and couldn't believe that we lived in that in this world. But I didn't feel like it was my responsibility necessarily, not even like because I'm white, just because it's like. Those are like racist cops somewhere that feels outside of me, that feels out of my reality. Also, like, what can I really do? Like, it felt like for so many of us, I think of all colors, we felt powerless to it.
2: And I think that that's part of it. I think it's a combination of people are fed up and we're in this time right now where due to the pandemic, we've been forced to slow down and kind of like pick apart things that are happening. And I feel like had this in another, in an alternate universe happened the same way, we just didn't have a pandemic going on. I do not believe that there would have been the same type of reaction. Like people are not as distracted with uh, birthday parties, dinners, work, whatever it may be, just like needing to decompress from like the daily... Rat race, and it's like if you're scrolling and on social media more than usual, and for example, you see my post about Ahmad Aubrey, and then like two or three weeks later, you're like, oh, she's posting about him again. Wait, wait, is that? Hold on, wait. There's another guy. Wait, didn't this just happen? Mm-hmm. And it's like you start to realize, like, wait, this is a little bit too frequent for it to be a one-off. Like, right. far too frequent. And I think that people may have felt the way that you felt, Steph. Like. I'm very sure of how I feel. I'm against what is happening, but what can I actually do? And I think people got to a point where they were like, you know what? Rather than continuously asking what I can do, we just got to figure out what can be done. And people started taking action. And that's been like the sustained action. The fact that the protests are still going on. I'm like, I can't believe it. I'm so excited.
1: Uh, Elizabeth? Yes. Oh, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to my granola. Oh.
0: <laughs> Purely
1: Elizabeth. Yeah, we were talking about Purely Elizabeth. They are a delicious granola company. And right now they are offering Purely Elizabeth grain free granola with MCT oil, which is a true, true delight. On the ever-evolving wellness journey that is our breakfast curiosity.
0: Yes, MCT oil is a type of fatty acid that's derived from coconut oil, and it can actually be more easily digested and converted into energy compared to other fats. We've talked about it. We've talked about it
1: many a times. These all of Purely Elizabeth's products are non-GMO project verified, certified gluten-free and made with organic ingredients. It is a B Corp and a female-owned business. Hi. Hey. And they are designed with innovative nutrient-rich ingredients that add delicious flavor and texture to your foods. I have to say I am a big, big fan of the chocolate hazelnut grain-free granola.
0: It is, mm, I love a Mm. crunch. I love a sweet, I love it all. And I love it just like as a snack. Joey loves to do it with like a banana and almond milk and granola and have like a whole kind of like essence of a cereal. Sure. Put it on ice cream. I know you love to put it in smoothies. That's right. I love a smoothie topper. It's a kitchen staple. It really, really is. And it's important to mention that
1: it's grain-free, paleo, keto, gluten-free, and vegan. And there's only five grams of added sugar, which is coconut sugar. So... You're safe here, guys. This is a safe space. Yeah. This is a safe granola space. Go to purelyelizabeth.com and use the code retrograde and you'll get 25% off your first order to have a breakfast, snack,
0: fun for the whole family. Delish. Situation. So that's purelyelisabeth.com, Use the code retrograde at checkout for 25% off. Hootie hoo Back to the show. That was my next question. Like, how do you feel in this moment? You know, obviously you've been out at the protests. I've heard from you that it feels different this time because there are, it's a, It's like, it feels
2: more like a biracial movement. There's white people out there supporting. Yeah, and like, here's the thing is like, when I was protesting back in the day, like the person that I would go to was like a white girl. Like, you know, so it's not like white people haven't been present. I just think that, you know, in any times in history when there's a certain or specific group that's being oppressed, they can't do it without people who aren't falling into that category aligning themselves and being like, this is wrong. Like, it doesn't affect me. And I really don't gain anything from being a part of it except for knowing that the people next to me are having a better quality of life. That's enough. Like, And I think that that's why it's really important that you guys are doing this because, you know, if the whole purpose of like a lot of what we're going for is wellness and attaining like a a sort of like spirituality and a whole and healing from a community, like how do you actually heal when there's an entire part of the community who's unwell? Like it's impossible. Like Absolutely. uh, Oh, that is like
0: been (laughs) the crux of my questioning of like, how could we even talk about wellness when this is the truth?
2: Yeah, there's like a hundred percent. a. That's why I thought it was so beautiful what Mikey did, you know, offering to do sessions for black, um, brown and black bodies. And, I, and every single one of my friends that did it was like, I, I literally need a weekend to deal with this. And I was like, yes, like there, I think that a lot of us, you know, we're stepping into that role of like strong black woman. And that's a beautiful thing to be. But I think that there has been an overwhelming amount of weight we've been asked to carry. And like the strength is exhausting. Like I'm, I'm, I love that it keeps me strong, but it's also like, do you mind like holding it for a bit? And I think that's like what a lot of you guys are doing. They're like, shit, you've been holding this for years. Let me like carry that backpack. And I'm like, thank you. So yeah. what
1: do you think about, you know, the the people that came forward on social media, you know, right away as being like the warriors out in front of, like all of a sudden it was like... <laughs>
0: It's like, it was so much. Deep sighs. You can tell Steph is like, how do I say this? I know. She's like, I'm activated. Choose the words. I love it.
1: (laughs) I'm not mad at it. You know what I mean? But it's like, this is from where I sit. This is how I sit. I sit from a place of my entire life. I've always had black friends. I've never really thought about it as far as more than just let's talk about it. Let's engage with it. Let's acknowledge it, it. Learn about each other's differences. Like, you know, whatever. You love talking about Judaism and I love learning about like your mom's home remedies. It's like, we just fucking share <laughs> culture like that. And that's always yes. been my life. And so it was a little bit like jarring for me. And this is partially why I needed to like step back from social media because I felt like all of a sudden there was so much pressure to prove your white allyship. And I'm like, if you have to prove it so hard, you you probably don't know any black people. Like calm down Let's really figure <laughs> out what needs to be actually addressed and not just pushing forward all the black people that have modeled for your fucking overpriced clothing brand. Like, it's embarrassing to it's me. It's
2: like up the equivalent to like, I have a black friend is basically literally. what happened for like two weeks. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. I, like I literally, it was like looking at some of this shit and it actually angered me. Like yeah. it angered me because I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? So basically what you're saying is this entire time you've had women of all shapes, sizes, and ages, and different skin tones who have supported your business, who have helped you be in the position that you are in. And you've just chosen to not show them. You've just chosen because it's not like you miraculously had a shoot. You either went back and searched all the tags, which is a whole other subject. And then (laughs) you posted it, which, which is a whole, is another form of like performative, like activism, like This is still, at the end of the day, you're doing this to benefit you, like to show that you're a good person, that to show people, don't cancel my brand, because look, I put up three black squares. Like, what I have, I've been DM'd by a a couple of companies since, who have been like, hey, Vanessa, you know, you know the normal, hey, we love your stuff, would love to like collab, DM us, you know, and I look, and one of the companies. I kid you not, was just like an alabaster sea of models, all beautiful women, but just wow. And then three black squares with comments off, which kind of irks me. Mm -mm. And then right back to the regularly scheduled programming and posting. And I was like, look, you guys are gonna have to do a whole lot better than three black squares with the comments off to get a black woman on your side right now. This is actually insulting. Like No.
1: Yeah. So I think this kind of brings us to the subject of something that I think is very fascinating. And this idea and experience of microaggressions, even in the face of trying to be an activist, can feel like a weird back end way in. And I don't know if that like tracks, but I think it does because it's kind of just like you're not getting the point.
2: Well, I feel like microaggressions, and I don't really know like what the actual Webster's definition of it. I've only like experienced them. I know the worlds do intersect where it's like activism and microaggressions, but like you guys, that, that I don't see like that something ever coming out of your mouth. Like, no, not to for me, us,
1: but I'm talking about people yeah. like in the world where it's like, you can be trying to help and be being right. offensive. I kind of want to like give you the oh, space yeah. to, to explain like what that really would be so that- not to get into the how to how to not be a white woman category, but I do think it's important. <laughs> <laughs> how to
0: not white. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, um, I think it's like, important.
0: This isn't an episode where Vanessa explains to her white friends, but Vanessa explain to your white but friends.
2: Here, <laughs> but here at the end of the yeah. day, it's also like if I can save a white girl from getting cussed out, I'll do that too. Like, <laughs> And if you can so, save a black girl from having to be like, what? Like that's, that's and annoying. And that's the thing is like, I think like there is some type of like Social media social justice that's happening to all these people who are missing the mark and that's great But regardless of the like punishment that they're dealing with the person who was the recipient of that vitriol still has to deal with that shit And the, the fuck the thing is like they could turn around after dealing with that person and still meet another person Who holds bias and then deal with that shit all over again, right? This is an example of like I believe a microaggression that didn't happen In social media like I was at The mobile gas station on Sunset and La Brea last Friday, walked in to get something. I have spoken to the guy who owns this place before. We had a whole conversation about why I shifted because I was like, Shell supports Trump. So now I'm walking further to go to mobile, you know? And I walked in and I was like, hey, I'm back. And he like looked at me. And you know me, I'm like kind of like a chameleon, changed my hair, probably had no idea who I was. He wouldn't serve me. I walked up to the cashier. He would not serve me. He wouldn't look me in the eye. That is not a microaggression. That is straight up racist. But but here's the thing though. The thing about microaggressions is as if the people who commit them know that racism, outright racism is not accepted anymore. And that's what's so scary about microaggressions. At the end of the day, most people who I've told this story to are like, what a racist piece of shit. But he didn't utter a word to me. So- He could be like I maybe he was sexist. Maybe he was a misogynist It could be anything but he knew that he didn't have to say anything, but his bias would still come like I have to deal With all of the emotions that I felt What him basically ignoring my presence like i've had people be very rude and outright racist I've never had someone act like I didn't exist which was an entirely new feeling And it just made me think about it. Like I wanted to tweet mobile. I wanted to do all these things. And then I was like, how am I supposed to prove that he was actually racist when he didn't say a word to me? Like Mm -hmm. he just acted like I didn't exist. And that's, what's dangerous about microaggressions is like the person who's committing them knows that it's unsavory to be racist, but they still have a mission to accomplish. They've just made it far more covert.
1: That's so interesting. I really do feel like, I really feel like in a post Barack America, microaggressions probably became so much more. Oh, they, they had their heyday. Yeah, because it's like everyone saw that the dominant like cultural thing was, OK, we could we can elect a black president. Obviously, there's like less racist people than racist people in this country, if, if that could be the majority. However, now I have to hide. It's like I would almost rather live in a world where we knew exactly who you were. So oh, we I'm like the people like
2: the the trash is taking out itself is the way that I look at it. And that's always great when you have last test tasks to do around the house. Like, yeah, that's fantastic. When you're like, this is not Vanessa teaching us how to not be like that white woman, but Vanessa, how do we not be that white girl? I was just thinking about something in social media. So a certain brand made a statement and it was a very vague, safe statement. And I felt like in this moment, the last thing you need to do is cater to A certain demographic who's never been made to feel unsafe like this is not the time To put their priorities first and so I left a very simple comment and I was like You said so much but you couldn't say black lives matter. It was three words. It's Mm -hmm. three words like That's all you had to say and then like two days later. I get like a damn essay of a comment from someone From a burner account and that's when I was like I already know but it was all about like How dare you? We're out here trying so hard. They donated this, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, the caucasity. Like, at the end of the day, that's one thing that's been kind of grinding my gears a little bit. There are a lot of companies who are coming out, making statements, this, that, and the other. And there are some women, and I can't speak, like, I might accept an apology, and then my other Black friend might be like, that ain't it. Or another person might be like, this is more than they ever had to do. Like, we're not a monolith we're going to we're going to vary but i think that if a woman of color wants to express disdain or support it that is her place but when i see uh women telling said black women like you need to accept their apology that is a problem to me like you cannot accept or forgive a brand for an offense that was never directed towards you in the first place like mm-hmm. yes it's upsetting to maybe hear that your favorite athleisure brand wasn't as liberal and, and, like welcoming as you thought, but you're upset about the brand disappointing you. Whereas there are people who have dealt with like going home, feeling a little bit less than not being heard, not being able to advance in their careers, being chased or, or like followed around in stores. Like those are the people who have to accept the apology, like stay in your lane. This, like, you can like the post, but please don't comment about how another woman should receive it, especially if she's one of color.
1: Obviously, we want to look for solutions and we want to change the systems. We can all agree on that, right? Of course. Yes. We, we can all agree that we want to acknowledge biases and, and really examine them and look and work through them and say, where did this come from? And how can I how can I first admit that I have the bias and then work right. on unwinding the bias? But I think something that's really not being discussed that I think is really important, which you reminded me of, Elizabeth, is this notion that this is a trauma legacy from the inception of Black people coming to America. And not all Black people in America are African-American, by the way. You're not. Hi,
2: I'm the first generation American, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but like, it's very interesting both of what you guys are saying, the generational trauma. And I think I didn't even realize how deep it went until four years ago when I was talking to my mom about Philando Castile. And I was like, I had major PTSD because all I kept on thinking of was Kevin, my little brother, like this could be him, you know? And I called my mom and I was like, how did you deal with it? How did you deal with racism? And like, she talked to me. And then I realized after our conversation, I was like, my mom grew up in South America. Like, It wasn't even like she was dealing with the specific brand of racism that America has, but she was still able to give me advice that worked. That is not something that I want to ever advise my child on. I don't Mm -hmm. want to have to help them cope. Like, this is what I'm hoping with this movement is that generational, like, this is how I dealt with it. Like, I don't want to pass that story on. I love that you're saying
1: that because that is like the biggest thing that I feel like perpetuates the problem is that we keep passing all of us, no matter what your race is, we keep passing the same lack of information and the same story down. And it's like, it's our generation's
2: job to be like, okay, listen. Well, I think that's what a big thing about it is. Like at the end of the day, like when you read a lot of like the historical texts about like how white supremacy was established, like, The founding fathers did a really fucking great diabolical job of making sure that this system worked because it's still affecting us today.
1: But it's also that we're conditioned to live in fear. Like I think like in in unpacking, like why I wouldn't have confronted police brutality in the past, it's because like I was under the impression that that's like how those people existed, not how like how those cops existed. Like I was living under the delusion and the understanding that like police are scary pieces of shit who have no sense of morality and who weaponize themselves in a way that I obviously think is fully fucking insane. And I think that none of us really realized, like, because the
2: Philando thing too, like, I watched that video so many times. It was... I I watched it once and I've never watched a video. That was the last time I would, I decided I will, I like, I haven't watched Ahmaud Arbery's. I haven't watched George Floyd. I will never, like, I don't need... Unfortunately, that's the difference though like as a like because I know of this being a truth that is something that black people deal with, I don't have to watch it to know what happened totally right? It's just the visual I, it's a tattoo on my brain and I can't get rid of it so I can't I can no longer expose myself to that.
1: And it's Self-care. like care what we're awakening to now and I think what wellness has given all of us is the identity that we do have the power. And I think so many of us prior to that, like a lot of my guilt didn't have to do with my whiteness. It had to do yeah. with my passivity. And yeah, it's like saying your, yes your to past apathy.
2: You're like, I'm more than that. I am not an apathetic person. Yeah. And I was being apathetic about something that I'm actually
1: passionate. Yeah, very about. passionate about.
2: Yeah. And I want forgive I, yourselves. I, forgive yourselves, ladies. Can we do that right now? Thank you.
1: Yeah, but forgiving yourself doesn't mean like it doesn't mean forgiveness and then taking your eye off off. No, I top. mean forgiving
2: yourself for not doing it when you did. It's just yeah. like you showed up. So like, imagine if you had it, but you did, and we're like, oh my god, yay! Look, we've got like some, like we've got a name tag and a drink and a welcome drink. Like, let's do this, you know, <laughs> like. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. We're so happy to have you here. Like there are some members who've been at the party a little bit longer, but you'll get to know what's going on and like base through the ranks and you'll just feel like you've been here after. Like it'll be like you've never not been here after a couple of seconds. Yeah. All of this is going to become soon this is going to be a muscle and like we'll look back at this in like a year or two. Be like, I can't believe there was ever a time we weren't signing petitions every hour. Like, right. And then we'll probably look at this and be like, can you believe we said that at that time?
1: And I think for us, it's like more about telling more, you know, I've always thought of us in, as as disruptors. Like I think of being people who are working in wellness and people even like yourself who doesn't work in wellness, but has a very strong connection to caring for her spirituality and her health and is a very like curious person when it comes to evolving. I've always thought of that as an act of resistance to the society. Of course. And so it's interesting to be like, and also let's tell more colorful stories. Like I was always very, and by colorful, I mean- cultural as well, you know? Of course, just like not one perspective. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, Elizabeth and I have hated the whitewashing of wellness. We've always been like, what the fuck? Like if one more blonde girl with a cookbook pitches to us, tell us (laughs) that she like cured her eating disorder. I
2: I couldn't even imagine what you guys are like. I couldn't even imagine like. Like I'm just not into mm -hmm. it.
0: But I I But God bless me. Like good for you for doing your course. work.
2: Good yeah, for you for healing
1: your eating disorder, but like literally, like I'm I don't care. Like But I'm it's sorry. also
2: too like you guys also I think understand in like another way that like you guys will have more opportunities to have a vehicle. Like that's the one thing that is not necessarily lacking for them, which I think a lot of people and that's been another thing that's been interesting about social media is like seeing how much space was denied to black people for so long. Like that was one thing that I was like pretty like upset about for a little bit. Like how many spaces I loved the transparency, but it was also like painful to see how many places had just adjusted to a norm of whiteness. Like, yeah. And I'm like, that is, you know, like your entire board of directors Are just faces that look like you and then you're reaching out to a publicity firm with faces just like you asking them how to take out this dumpster fire as if they're more equipped because they're a public relations firm like there's just so much like we could probably speak until the end of time about this because there's so many parts of the behemoth of social media and just like this It's just also interesting, too, that something as small as social media was a conduit to unpack such a large issue in the United States. Who would have ever thought? Right,
0: which is I see it as such a double edged sword, like as we were saying, like with the engagement, to use your phrase, around George (laughs) Floyd. "Ah." And I know. And then what transpired was passing the mic and all of these beautiful opportunities to bring attention to a matter that was not getting our attention in the way that it so grandly deserved. Yeah. And but now, as Steph and I have been talking about, it's like when I'm on social media and if I get a piece of content that is a teachable piece, it's all it does is tell me, oh, fuck, I have so much to learn. I What am I doing wasting my time on this screen? So, like, where I'm at, like, I hear the argument of, like, being white, you get the opportunity to kind of tap in and tap out of the conversation of race. I want any use of social media or deliberate non-use to not be a representation of tapping out, but rather digging in and understanding that, like, everyone has their own way to do that, and it might not be a social networking platform. It's not for me.
2: Totally. And I think, I think the thing is, though, like, I feel like if you made a post or had stories which make your position clear, what more do you need to do? Like, I don't, you don't need, you know what I mean? Like, if anyone is coming to you or anyone else checking on your activism, like, don't you have other things to do? Like, you right. know where I stand. Also, check on your own d- self. Like, that that's what I'm saying. Like, you're over here worried about me. So you're telling me that you basically finished letters to every representative in your county. Oh, you didn't? Then why are you checking on me? Like, yeah. So I feel like it's one of those things where I am. I decide how I feel about I've been but this has been my approach for social media for a while. Like, it's exhausting. But I also understand like, it can be fun. I just my approach is intentional. Like, If I I post something, there is an intent behind it. Like whether it's in line with what I do for my career, whether it's in line with my interests or the causes that I am passionate about. And I think that that's one thing that I'm starting to explore a little bit more is finding a way to use social media as a platform to do intentional posting when I feel like interacting and finding a way to be intersectional about the things that are are passionate to me. Like I had a lot of (laughs) Jurassic park fan sites talk about the (laughs) importance of having black superheroes. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's a huge issue. Like duh. If I was a little white boy, I would be so confident. Every person looks like you. That's accomplishing shit. Like it's really important for representation. And they were like, you know, a lot of them were like, wait a second, why are not there more black superheroes? Why does the black people not have action figures? And I'm like, if that is your lane and that's your part of the conversation that you're exploring, that's where you need to stay. Like you found your corner and there's work to be done there. Get active. Like Mm -hmm. I loved it. Who knew there was an intersectionality between dinosaurs and like (laughs) representation. (laughs) It's amazing.
0: Yeah. I love that you say that because that's what we've been talking about of like, we're not all of the sudden, like my, my boyfriend's sister's a a social justice lawyer. Like we're not all going to be that, like as beautiful as that work is, as much as I like look to her to be like, hi, what do I need to know about? Like, that's not me, but like, what are the things that I do
2: And we should all be asking
0: us, we should all be, yeah, like how can I support what she's doing? Like find, as you said, find your little corner of where you notice the change can be enacted and it can oftentimes feel like something you would be doing anyway, but just with like an extra added layer of consciousness and intention. Since you're on so retrograde and you are- Say that again. (laughs) You're on so retrograde and you're (laughs) such a pillar of like, All things in this so retrograde umbrella, because we can talk skincare, we talk hair care, we talk (sighs) the stars. I mean, it really goes deep every conversation, but curious about like your current, we'll speak to the times, like the quarantine routine of it all. What have been some fun discoveries? What are you loving? What are the roses?
2: Speak um, to us. Wow, this is actually such a literal rose, um, gardening. And I actually started doing it because I was like, am I gonna be able to get fresh vegetables when everyone was like in hoarding mode? Right. And so it's been really good because I feel like the things that I've been needing to do during this quarantine is with so much content overload, I'm trying to just like step back. A lot of my wellness has been like falling back into like, quiet, present things, whether it's journaling, a lot of like abstract, like doodling with like an intention, like kind of like wild, unknown journaling, like really love that for the times, something that has been helping with my wellness is like with everything that's going on with George Floyd and all that, I don't like feeling helpless. And so something that's been good for my wellness has been being active, like going to protests and, you know, signing petitions, like do to bail funds, like finding out ways to help with like community centers that has been making my overall spirit feel better because it's making me feel like I'm doing something to help this situation, which I've really, really enjoyed. And then, you know, bath time always. I'm teaching myself how to read charts, Steph.
1: Yes. I mean, I yeah, feel like I've, you have such a knack for it. I don't know why this is like just coming through.
2: I found another book that was like chart analysis. And I was like, okay, so I didn't even look for this. And it was just like there. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take this and it's mine. Another thing that's been nice. I'm just going to give you. Give it all. I'm like, I always have been a huge fan of like, you know, obviously you guys know that I love like astrology and all things star related and I've always been a huge fan of you know, Greek and Roman mythology and the goddesses and I've always felt like these different callings to like Selene, Artemis, basically the ones of the moon and then a couple years ago a trans friend of mine told me about the Nigerian Orishas and I didn't know that there were African goddesses. Yeah. And so now I'm exploring that whole world, which has been so fun because, you know, a lot of that was lost when a lot of the diaspora was brought over here. A lot of that culture was lost or like forced out because, you know, they just didn't want it. So that's been really fun. I've just been exploring a lot of the like, culture there.
1: I mean, this really speaks to the whitewashing of wellness and spirituality and all (laughs) those things. I mean, it's like there's so much more history and so much more to explore on all these topics. And something that Elizabeth and I have been talking about prior to all this happening, too, is like something we want to be encouraging people to look for like the roots and the historical context of a lot of these practices that we think of as just like Western ways for us to feel good Like, there's Uh such a uh lineage and such a connection to culture that we have sort of like overlooked in the interest of just like helping us survive in the rat race. And that is as much a part of the problem as anything else because we think that it's about us and it's about right now when it's really like we have to. The reason why people say that people appropriate cultures is because they steal and they don't understand. But if you borrow. Well, they steal and they
2: also erase the culture. Exactly. So they can actually, so then they can market it. They're like, you know, I don't know whether or not the Eurocentric world would like identify if they know this is like Mexican based. So like, let's take that out and market it, which like sales, but it's, there's something within, I think the wellness world when you connect back to like, what is the purpose and the origins of this conduit that I'm using to increase my wellness? Like, yeah, I love that it you guys are doing that. So much richer. Yeah. It's so much more yeah. yeah. Wow. Totally. It's grounded in something so deep. I love that. I yeah. love that so much.
0: That's so cool. cool. Vanessa, so, we love you so yeah. much. Thank, thank you, you guys so much.
2: I think that this is such a beautiful opportunity. It was scary, but like, I think that thank you for giving me an opportunity to like speak to you and tell my side of the story and just how I've been feeling. This has definitely brought a nice little bit of healing to my spirit to just chat with you guys and hopefully some other friends will be inspired by this to be brave and chat about this uncomfortable stuff.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm so grateful that you're here and that you hold, held space for the conversation because I believe and I know Elizabeth believes that conversation is a change maker and if we're not talking about these things, there's no way that we can understand where we're supposed to land on them and dialogue is so important so we are so grateful exactly as well. yeah right.
2: and the north we- node is in gemini so we need <laughs> to talk about A it bitch better be
0: talking. we need to talk tell- about it the
2: north node
0: <laughs> tell <laughs> our listeners where they can find you on your intentional uh social media postings
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> intentions are us no i'm just kidding it's uh vanessa l chester for instagram And then Vanessa Chester on Twitter. Real simple.
1: We're going to see you there. Well, I won't because I'm on Instagram for the retrograde, but everyone else will see you there.
2: Do do it. Do it. I I support it and I can't wait until you're back, but maybe I'll be gone then. So I won't even. (laughs) 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 Every single week that I talk to my mom, she's like, don't go on Instagram, delete Instagram. She says that? Oh yeah. She's like, but like she'll know like when she can tell that I'm like stressed out or like dealing with a lot, emotional cancer. She'd be like, "Okay, Vanessa, I just need you to calm down this weekend. Take a nice bath. Plan your plans. Don't go on Twitter. No Instagram. No social media. No posting. They're gonna stress my my child out." She said, "I don't want you having anyone mess up your zen." That's Ugh. what she tells me.
0: Okay, can she? We're gonna Why? have to get that soundbite. <laughs> yeah. and play it
2: often it's so funny. I'm like, okay, mom, it's bye.
0: My favorite
2: Spot thing is when on.
1: kids with parents from other countries do their parents' accent. They're, it's like my joy. It's the joy of my life. <laughs> I love it. It's
2: so interesting. I love her. Round two, um, your mom you comes on the show. <laughs> of Yes. And I definitely want to, I'll send you guys some of these after, but like some accounts that I like think that are fantastic that are like women-based, women of color that are in the wellness sphere, whether it's like CBD or like hair stuff, all of that, like, really been exploring it if you guys would like me I can send some of those to you we after. would
0: love yeah. that for sure cool I think like this you. was this was great we Thank love you guys so much. V.
2: love you too yeah.
0: yeah you know
1: me Elizabeth
0: yeah what what you got over there with your little roses oh, I'll start with worst for first mm-hmm. society I feel like it's been a constant I mean <laughs> If I'm really being honest, I feel like technology has been the thorn Mm -hmm. for so, so long. But like at the same time, much like friendship, it's really shown up for us in this time. It's really
1: weird because like I feel very torn on technology. Like I think that it's amazing how it's connecting us. And like I said last week, I do think it's going to be the thing that like sets apart this revolutionary time from past revolutionary times just because the access to information. But the addiction to social media and the judgment on social media and just all of the dark shadow parts of it seem to be being highlighted right now, and um, Mm -hmm. that's just like really.
0: I was listening to to Don Lemon uh, talk to Dan Rather on the radio earlier, and today you were like full (laughs) throwback queen. I don't even know what you're saying. (laughs) And Don Lemon was like, "I have to really be careful about like my social media intake to protect my psyche," and I was like. Same, done, Lemon. You're like, aren't you like my dad? What's going on? <laughs> Let's be best
1: friends. No, um, dude. Like, I found myself like, update. I found myself, I'll like pick up my phone for no reason and I'll scroll and on my thumb will like, mind of its own, look for Instagram.
0: Right. I'm like, because you've been off now for what is it? We're going on almost a week, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's the how I've been feeling lately. Tell me. I feel like. My home has become its own, like, personal ecosystem microcosm of, of just everything exists within this house. Mm-hmm. And my only portal outside of it is through the screen. Mm-hmm. And it makes me feel insane. Yeah. And I'm just trying to, like, reconfigure. Come to um, the present moment. I'm com- Yeah. It's really, it's a really intense feeling. And I've talked to a lot of our friends who are. Have a similar sentiment, so I'm just calling it out and saying that feels like not the vibe and use sort of social thorny.
1: Media don't let social media use you.
0: Well, yeah, and I, I'm gonna we're proposing a as we always do in July a call to the that's a retrograde crew. If you guys want to do a digital detox alongside us, yep, we're gonna do it. Yeah, so that's gonna happen. I think we're calling it for the 29th through the last day of retrograde, which is that the 13th? twelve. It could be 12th. 12th. So join us if you wanna. Hands Um, raised
1: if you're on board, friends. Check us out on
0: Etsy Retrograde for more info. No, I'm just (laughs) kidding. Um, But I will say I have a rose, a very delectable rose. Speaking of the screens, this is the good part of the screen. This, this screen took, took me into a portal that, for some much-needed warmth in my heart, we got to participate in a thing going on right now called Camp WIT, which is a nonprofit organization. Well, WIT is a nonprofit organization that works with teens and tweens nationally and internationally, providing them programs and opportunities to develop as leaders and entrepreneurs, I literally feel like that was the
1: most soulful thing I've ever done with my life.
0: It was incredible. And it was founded by uh, Sarah Hernholm, who got in touch with us and got in touch with you and is how we got involved with it. And she was a former elementary school teacher. And she believed that young people needed more spaces and opportunities to use their voice and make a tangible impact. And wit stands for whatever it takes. So you and I got to talk to about like 40 tweens and teens yeah. about podcasting yeah. and really how to take a creative idea and how to put action towards it to create something. Yeah. And I don't know how it affected the the kids, but for me personally, I it was the biggest light I've felt in in months.
1: Honestly, I know how it affected them because they all wrote comments in the Zoom chat and I cut and copied it because I was like this is speaking to my soul like Honestly, if anyone has an opportunity to really, like, encourage young people to take risks and, like, follow their authenticity, that meant so much to them. Like, we said a lot of things, but in almost every comment and feedback that they said, the their biggest takeaway was, like, always say yes to what feels right to you. And if that's, like, what I'm passing on to, like, young kids, I'm just, like, the work and the struggle was well worth it. So, I don't know. It was just really kind of amazing to see my growth reflected in their openness.
0: Yeah. And we did it from our living rooms, which was even like— And then Elizabeth a cried, very cool thing. And which then I, is my
1: favorite thing. So I did wants. cry
0: as soon as the kids got <laughs> off. I just was so moved by it. And yeah. so they put the camp together. They're constantly doing programs. But this camp was really a call to just like for, for kids to expand their knowledge base while they're at home— not really able to to do much. Mm-hmm. So it was a digital camp that really came together a month ago, but they constantly are offering programs and college credit programming and the virtual summer camp experience, which we got to do. But so I want, if anyone is feeling called, if anyone has a skill that they that they want to share, it really feels so good. So head over to doingwit.org and um, check it out more. I just, I can't speak higher of... Of what an amazing space that Sarah has created with with those kids, and it was it was so impactful for me. I couldn't so, agree more. I was so Rose. happy to be there.
1: Major Rose, thanks for bringing that up and sharing with the with the class, Elizabeth.
0: Now I talk like a teacher. Thanks for sharing with the class. <laughs> thanks, I'm taking notes and sitting front row. <laughs> <laughs> was that your vibe in school or no? It it depended on the class. I talked a lot. Mm-hmm, same <laughs> surprise. I, so I got moved to the back a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was also in, like, all the slower math and science classes. Mm-hmm. But was in, like, advanced English and, and the arts and all of that. But it was, like, classic science and math, not not computing. So you weren't
1: overeager about
0: physics. I was not. I don't even think I made it into physics because I was that slow. I
1: failed my physics regions, which is the… Not the standardized testing in New York. I failed it two times. Mm-hmm. And then when I was a sophomore in college, I got a letter from my high school saying that the test was so hard that they had to retroactively put it on a curve and that I had actually gotten an 83. So, oh. listen, two years later, completely useless to me, but I wasn't as completely stupid as look I, look I thought. Look at that. The universe <laughs> has always had your back. I was like, Ms. why Simari. do I need this call? This, High school test now.
0: I'm like over it. You already fucked me. Don't recommend it. And with that, we shall leave you all today. I know. We have to go. So sad. So soon. We have to go. So soon. But we'll be back next week. I think we have two episodes coming out next week. So. right. You shan't be missing us too long. Mm -mm. Thanks so much to Vanessa Chester, our dear buddy, for joining us on the show for just holding space for a really informative conversation. I'm
1: so happy she could be here because she's just also just been such a supporter of the show. She comes to all the events, engages with all of our guides, like really is like walking the walk of her wellness. So it's it was cool to have the conversation publicly. It was.
0: Thank you guys for joining us and we will see you soon. Namaste
1: listening. Bye. Maya Plastic.
0: Yes, that's a retrograde!